Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. I'm just going to let this one sit here and bring on Mike Wells of ESPN Radio right now for a variety of reasons. One, because this is something he can get into. Go ahead, man. I apologize <laughs> to get through to you the same. I know I was to blame. You're hitting all the right Tell notes right there, Wells. Oh, man. I'm going to tell you. When will I see you smile again? You, uh, if I didn't know better, I would think that I have Ricky Bell of BBD <laughs> on the hotline right now. That's that's like, oh. you sounded exactly like Ricky Bell. Ricky Bell, Ricky Bell's going to play later on tonight at the convention center, right? And oh, man. he's probably frightened. Oh. In case he gets, if, if if something were to happen, you could stand in and do that and wouldn't miss a note. Well done. Man, I, I, I wish I could stand in, Jay. I'm, I'm heartbroken, man. I'm heart, the, thing, the things we do for our kids, we have been talking about this for weeks now. Weeks. Excited. And yep. a certain 13-year-old who I have messed with last night, this morning, and after school, has guilted me and the thing is to show that she's a daddy's girl i am skipping out front row tickets jodeci and bbd with my albino yeah. brother jmv yes. to go to brownsburg homecoming with miss incredible. incredible i can't believe it if you hadn't told me earlier, if I didn't hear from you earlier, if I didn't hear from you right now, I would not believe it. I thought, really? With these two bands in town, I thought this was can't miss. Can't miss. I, I, trust me. Trust me. It, I thought it was can't miss, too. But Layla, J&B wants to know how you got me not going I, to see BBD and Joe to see tonight. It ain't that easy. Now, now she's, trying to, she's trying to put it off of me now, Jay. She didn't, did she not have her license yet? Come on. Just give her the keys and have her get over there. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to need some pictures tonight, especially if, you, uh, if they let you on stage and do some stuff, man. Yeah. I'm going to need to see how you roll, man. No, oh, you well, you already know that, but we'll get that in pictures and video because we're right, we're right there up front. We're hey, right there hey, up front tonight. Pl- hey, please be careful of any ladies. Try to throw some undergarments on the stage. Don't get uh, hit in the head with them or anything. Come on now. I'm all, I'm all for that. I can't wait. I'm still in shock, but that's okay. If it were anybody else but Layla, if it were anybody else from Layla, we'd be making fun of them right now. But you know how much I love Layla, so there's no making fun. Got to get her over to homecoming. Man. Brownsburg homecoming. Yeah. Good Lord. Hey, you know, and, and once again, COVID has messed things up last year. She had to skip out because she was quarantined and everything. So yeah. I told her, I said, all right. I said, well, we'll go ahead and do it and stuff. But let somebody come in next year on homecoming. I'm a, I'm a pawner and leave her on the doorstep with somebody else. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio as well obviously had to bow out of going to see Joe Desi and BBD tonight. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. But maybe uh, a better question regarding Sunday, because you've covered this team for a while, and people want to recollect about, well, this start in comparison with other slow starts in recent history, this is what they do. Now, I contend that this start has been different. That Jacksonville game, to me, I thought that would dictate my thinking to be different. It didn't look like anything. They were outclassed. They were smoked all of the above by a Jacksonville team that you would think they would be inspired to play and give a butt kick, and they didn't. So I, I view this as differently. Do you, as far as some of those bad starts are concerned in recent history, comparing it to this 0-1-1 start with the Colts this season? Yeah, I know people. a lot of people are talking about a 20-18 season where they started 1-5. Um, and, you know, luck was coming back from the uh, injury and everything. The, the, the reality is I, this time last Friday, yes, we were talking about how the Colts could not win in Jacksonville, 
But I, I don't think either one of us really thought that they were going to go down there and not only lose, but get shut out, where they looked atrocious. Yeah. And had tre- they've made Trevor Lawrence in the past two games in Jacksonville look like the number one overall pick in the draft. They've made Trevor no Lawrence. There were question marks about Trevor. Trevor saying, okay, is he truly that guy? Can he do it? And that start last week looked just like the start he had in week 18 when they handled their business against Indianapolis. I didn't think they were going to lose. I, people kill me about being a coach hater and things like that. I truly thought Indianapolis Colts were going to be one and one. And the biggest difference, in my, in my opinion, compared to 2018, there were question marks about, okay, can Frank Reich be a head coach? Can Andrew Luck bounce back after missing the 2017 season through the shoulder injury? When the, when the schedule came out, we are like, okay, Houston should be straight garbage. Jacksonville are the Jags. There's no reason why the Colts should not start 2-0. Two and, two and oh. Instead, they're sitting here 0-1-1, yeah. about to face Patrick Mahomes, and that Chiefs offense that is still rolling without Tyreek Hill, without Shaq Leonard, and, you know, part of their rotating left tackle on, uh, on Sunday, a left tackle position that has not been good for the Colts. Here's what stood out to me more than anything else is, is what I, I felt that you needed to see was a great deal of inspiration off of that embarrassment of last January in Jacksonville. And, Mike, not only did you didn't get it, you, you got nothing. You got nothing close to any inspirational play from anybody out there. That's, that's why I view this and them going into this game on Sunday in their home opener differently than I do those slow starts of, in recent history for them. Yeah, I, I'm in completely. I'm in a complete agreement on that. It's just the, the the way the the lack of effort and the fact that there was not one moment I think early on after Jacksonville was rolling that you said, okay, the Colts are going to win this this football game. No, that's uh, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So. Um, Kansas City, you mentioned without Tyreek Hill. Uh, they keep rolling along. Uh, the Colts, once again, for week number three in a row, will be without Shaquille Leonard. A lot of people are asking, and we've been down this path with Andrew Luck before. This got any characteristics of you know, a lost Andrew Luck type of season, as we're now in week number three of Shaquille Leonard not being involved with this team. Man, I'm trying. I'm trying not to think that because he's getting out there and he's practicing, Jay. But then come Friday, Saturday, the Colts are ruling him out. And I know you know Frank was saying today that oh yeah, he's got to string together some practices and things and things like that. But the longer he continues to stay out of the lineup, the longer the more you're starting to question. Okay, a when is he coming back? B, are they, can he take a hit on that back? and see if this is going to be an issue that is going to continue to go on and on throughout this season. So the questions, the questions are going to continue to pile until Shaq Leonard not only gets out on the football field, plays at a high level, and then has no type of injury problems. I, um, I, I kind of wonder this, and I'll ask you because you've covered so many press conferences, you know, and all this with, with Reich in the past. Is there any way in the world – that these guys could answer questions differently and and not say, well, you know, it's a better progression this week, you know, feeling good. I mean, all these words that they use end up being a bit inspirational about the possibility of return only to pull the rug out from everybody on a Friday. Uh, is, is there nothing else that they can say at all? Can you not prepare for the folks what you believe might be the inevitable and him not playing, or are you doing all this wordsmith stuff, you know, as you do in the NFL because of the competition? You want to kind of keep them guessing until the end of the week. What, what could you do it any differently? Because I think really those terms, those words, those descriptions are completely worn out on this fan base by now. I, well, the thing is, I I, I, I do believe that uh, they're trying. They're trying to say all the. They're trying to. They're trying to say all the right. They're trying to say all the right things, John. But with that said, it, it, it can't be a case of, well, we're trying to play. We're trying to play the case of what the opponent knows. The reality is I don't think it can until Darius, I, I keep saying Darius, but Shaq gets out there. I don't think the opponent is going to be worrying about Shaq Leonard until he gets on the football field. What the Colts need to do is just say, hey, when he's back, he's back. Don't say, oh, yeah, he's progressing well, and, he, you know, he looks good out there, blah, blah, blah. 
just say yes, he's on the practice field, but when he when he's ready to return, we'll make. And the longer they keep doing this, it's about how good Shaq is going to be if when he gets back out there. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio talking Colts and Chiefs coming up on Sunday via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, would your guess be like mine right now that this is a conditioning thing? That's more about him. See, initially I thought they were going to have to keep him from being out there. But the more and more this time has gone by the first three weeks, now I'm kind of thinking maybe maybe this is him and maybe the Colts. You think they're disappointed that he's not at the level in which he's able to get out there and start playing by now? Well, the thing is, we're talking about a back, and obviously, yes, you know, you got to get in football right. shape, conditioning, and everything. But, I mean, I'm sure what he was able to do with his back as far as running and things of an impact has had an impact on how how he's not in, you know, excellent shape quite yet. I think, you know, they are probably working on him to get back in that situation. Think about this. Uh, when, when Shaq got off of the pump and everything and got back out there, he hadn't done anything since last season. I mean, they essentially had shut him down. Um, so he, it, that's, it's not, this is not like basketball where they are giving some minutes here and there. What I am curious about is even though he's not in excellent game shape, yeah, can he give can he give them any kind of snaps? Because that defense needs as much help as possible right now. They need to get anybody out there that they can, um, who can, who can have any kind of impact. Yeah, it, it's funny you bring that up because I've been on a couple of different Kansas City radio shows, and, and they bring this differently, brought this up on their own this week. They have said that the biggest fear they thought for this Chiefs team coming in here is if Leonard were able to play because of that playmaking ability they saw a year ago and how you know sometimes they, they don't altogether trust the security, ball security that the Chiefs have, and that could be, you know, we're thinking about getting after Mahomes, keeping him, you know, contained in the pocket, all that stuff, you know, as a, a formula to try to stay in, in contention to win this game, to, to at least be competitive with them. But they talk about just taking the ball away from the Chiefs would be, you know, the bigger thing, and their bigger worry was Leonard. And then, you know, you take him out, and I mentioned this, Mike, earlier this week, him being outside of this this defense so far is, to me, akin to what the defense would have looked like a year ago with Eberflus, the coordinator, if he hadn't been playing there. Because he was the only savior for that defense that would have been awful without him. And unfortunately, this defense has been pretty awful without him through the first two weeks, even under new leadership and even with new faces. I disagree with one thing that you said. Wells rejoins from ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Sorry about that. I wanted to hear what you had to say. Go ahead and do it again. What I was saying was, you think about, um, yes, Darius is just an impact player. I mean, you know, he gets so much praise because of his ability to force turnovers. But then, you know, what's not talked about a lot is is his, you know, how he struggles at times against tight ends and coverage. But that it's his desire to punch the ball away, get interceptions, force fumbles, overshadows everything. But you go back to 2019, that Sunday night game in Kansas City with Jacoby Brissett as the starting quarterback, they ran the ball like crazy with Marlon Mack. And Jonathan Taylor was a no fact. He was, he was, they did not get him, get him the ball enough last week against Jacksonville, clearly, after he ran wild in Houston a week before. He's, they, the, be- the best way to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline is to force turnovers, which clearly the Colts are having issues with that in, and running the football. They got Jonathan Taylor has to have one of those MVP-type performances if the Colts are going to have any type of, set to- type of success because they are just that much of a football team that is struggling to do anything right these days. You know, the one thing that I would, I would differ about 2019 on that Sunday night here at Arrowhead was that Mahomes came in, came in a little bit injured, and then he aggravated that with a pass rush in that game, if you remember. Because in the first quarter, he was running around, throwing sidearm, making plays, you know, being himself. And then, you know, he had a, an offensive lineman because of that up-front push step on him, and he just wasn't the same after that. So I think that that also added to the effect of what you're talking about with the running game and the effect that Mahomes just was not nearly himself after he re-aggravated that injury. So you got you got listeners cussing you out right now, calling you Debbie Downer on that one, man. But I I forgot yeah. I did forget about that I did forget about that injury where he did aggravate himself. Um, he did. So here, yeah. here here's here's the real is there any scenario 
that four, at four thirty on Sunday afternoon, the Colts are one one and one. Do you see any way with, with the with the roster that Kansas City goes in on Sunday, assuming there's no injuries that come out and all the key players play all game, that the Colts win this football game? Well, listen, is it out of the realm of possibility? I don't think it is. But do I believe it's going to happen? No. And here's the reason why. It's because we the only experience we have seeing this team so far, Mike, is, you know, and, and Hagan even, I think, elaborated to this. I, I said seven of eight quarters of football have been awful to watch. And he agreed, but he had added that overtime in Houston as well, which, you know, obviously didn't end well. So they've given us one quarter to grow on and to believe in this team. And especially you add that with what we saw last week in Jacksonville, it's tough to believe that they have much of a chance on Sunday. I'm not going to suggest that there's no way they're going to win, but I'm certainly not going to be at this point at having what I've seen roll with them on Sunday against one of the better teams in the NFL. I think you and I can agree. We are basically the polar opposite of last week. Last week, I think we both believe the Colts were going to win that football game in Jacksonville. Right. And now I think we both believe the Colts are going to lose this game on Sunday against the Chiefs. I can't see it. I mean, I, I cannot. I can't see it. Um, <laughs> it. I guess it's dependent on how this game goes. Here's the thing, though, to me, and I said this a little bit earlier, the start is so magnified. The start is magnified because if they get their doors kicked in at the beginning and struggle in the first half, there are going to be a lot of booze in that building. And that is not going to be good for a team. A, a team, I'm sorry, the morale doesn't look great right now. And it's not going to be good for that team. So an inspirational start to me is what is of 100% value if they intend on hanging in that game on Sunday. The start. Man, I mean, if they fall down with a 14-0 donut, or let's just say Mahomes has a perfect Perkins drive and, and scores easily, the Boo Birds are going to be out in Lucas Oil Stadium, and they're not going to yeah. be directed just at Frank Reich or Chris Ballard. They will be directed also at Jim Mersey. If, if, it, if, it turns, if it comes out and, and, and it looks like it's going to be a poo-poo show on the coach part, that might be some of the loudest boos we have heard in Lucas Oil Stadium in a long time. If the Colts fall behind and come out sluggish and have a three and out or something like that, and Mahomes is out there playing like he's in he's in the backyard playing football with his homeboys. Yeah, and then the question is going to be: I mean, if if they do, it, it, the embarrassment question will be asked. We'll have to size that up. You know how the owner is going to feel about this, and then that's why I've suggested. And I don't want it to go that way because everybody's more excited when they win. But if this does go bad on Sunday. I think that starts down the path of if, for example, Tennessee comes in here after that, if they start the season 0-3 and 1, I think we're going to see we're going to see maybe some new ground broken as as far as the owner is concerned in way ways that he's handled this team and has it in the past. I think that may be that may end up being the breaking point. Some people have suggested maybe it's this weekend with a bad blowout, embarrassing loss. I still say it's going to be after that value is going to be after the Tennessee game. But man, just a start, a start. If you can cobble something together is of the utmost importance on Sunday, because then you can maybe feed some inspiration back into a fan base that it's not my fault. It's not our fault, because all we do is talk about how this team is played, right? But they're the ones that need to inspire. That's not up to us. It's up to them on Sunday. Put, put it like this. When the schedule came out and all was looking good for, uh, you know, sounding good with Frank, I mean, me, with Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor, and even without with the question marks on who's going to be the last tackle and the lack of depth of wide receiver, I envision this Friday on September 23rd, that you and I will be talking about a 2-0 coach team with uh, going to face a yeah. Super Bowl contending team in Kansas City, right. and this being the type of game where they can prove they truly belong in the AFC or if they're just a team that beats up on bad teams. That's what I thought you and I were going to be talking about. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, too, because, I mean, they, they still you still can't completely dismiss anything, even with a horrendous start because the division is so bad. 
Well, the division isn't going to go anywhere. At least I don't think yeah, it's going to hey. go anywhere. Even with Jacksonville being better, it's not going to go anywhere, and they're going to be in play. But clearly our expectations are not going to be anywhere near what we felt about this team met, uh, especially with the level of play we've seen thus far. It's comical that you said that, and I don't mean I don't mean you're comical about it, but the fact that come Sunday night they could be 0-2 and one, and nobody's going to panic and say, "Okay, the Colts are out; they're not going to make the playoffs." You, you, nobody, I don't think anybody's going to say that, uh, barring a major injury to a key player. It's be, like you say; it's because they're in the AFC South, and playing in the AFC South is going to give them every time, every opportunity to stay in the mix. Because yes, Jacksonville is a better football team and it has improved. But I'm not, I'm not ready to say yes. They are definitely the team to beat in the AFC South. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio of Brownsburg High School Homecoming of IU. Hey, by the way, before I let you go, how's the IU gig going? Man, Jay, I'm telling you, brother, this it's going better than I ever envisioned. I did not think I was going to like it as much. I got great, I got great people I work with. The students are energetic and stuff. So it is a win-win situation for me when it comes to uh, this. And we talk about Brownsburg um, homecoming. They are facing Westfield tonight in homecoming. And the starting quarterback of that Westfield team has the last name of Ballard. Yeah, it's Ballard's kid, yeah, for the Shamrocks coming up tonight. Ballard's kid is a starting QB. So um, maybe maybe I'll run into him and – and chat with him a little bit. Hope he probably don't want. He probably don't want to uh, chat any Colts. So I'm just going to. Hey, yeah, see, and, uh, see if he can find a wide receiver on that field somewhere. <laughs> Ask him about that. <laughs> I will do that, brother. Hey, hey, hey! hey no, before I let you me. go, hold on, hold, hold, hold on. How long earlier this week in Bloomington did they take them to get you out of that storm drain? It seemed like it was a while, bro. bro <laughs> I tell you this. I'm not going to lie. I will. I will say this publicly on the radio. I was scared because where 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 the crazy dude was was in um, in a, in, a, in a storm drain right behind Dunn Meadows, yeah. which is right behind right behind Franklin Hall where I teach at, and my class my class I mean, excuse me my office it has a window and it looks out in Dunn Meadows. I I was able to you know get that in negotiations have a view, and the worst part was I was stuck in my class I was in my class for almost two and a half hours, and I was hungry as hell. I, I had two ham sandwiches in my office that I thought, man, maybe I should try to go get my ham sandwiches. But with my luck, Mr. Crazy Dude would be out there, and I'd be, and you next, you know, well, Wells got, you know, Wells got attacked because he wanted his ham sandwiches. But yeah, two and a half hours in in the class with the yeah. students, doors were locked. It was, it was. Um, I own it. I was nervous. I, I was, I was definitely worried about it because you're hearing somebody with an armed suspect. So I was leery. Well, you think he was going to climb up one of your toilets or what? I mean, he was, yeah, in the storm drain. Hey, did you know uh, from the information I gathered, I believe that was one of Greene County's own original crackheads right there. I believe that he was a a Worthington, Indiana product from Greene County. I believe that to be the case. Yeah, that was a Greene County crackhead. Hey, tell him to stop embarrassing uh, your people down there, man. Oh, hey, tell them, man. <laughs> there may be more of him than there are me down there, so I better be careful. I don't know. <laughs> hey, by the way, man, it, so- it sounded like the girls have- were having a good time in the car last night when we talked oh, on the phone. That's it. Layla was so excited to hear Laney and Grace's voice when uh, when we called you. Yeah, we got to get them back together again soon because they're some good girls, and it's really good when they when they get together. So, hey, I'll enjoy I'll enjoy Ricky and Mike and Ronnie later on tonight and our good friends from Jodeci for you. Listen, listen, Jay. Listen, and not many people are going to relate to this when I say this, but you'll get it. Do not be be fiending for a big butt and a smile tonight, all right? No, I am not. Then you'll be be saying, you know, come and talk to me if you start start fiending for that big butt and a smile, all right? Well, I'm definitely going to, uh, what is it, knock it up, slip it, uh, flip it, rub it down? I think it's going to be me. Oh, yeah! All right, man. Good talking to you. All right, brother. Hey, I'll talk to you later on. 
Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The voice of the Hoosiers have a big one coming up tomorrow in the Queen City. They get the Bearcats of Cincinnati. Don Fisher joins us. So I, I didn't know if you heard about that situation in Bloomington with the guy in the storm drain a little bit earlier this week. It was not Mike Wells. I thought maybe that was a possibility, but it wasn't. Well, that's the good news, right? <laughs> yeah, and I guess the bad news for me, evidently, it was one of Greene County's finest that was in there. So that's bad news for me. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't know him personally. That's key. <laughs> no, uh, I just I, sh- I I just hope like hell that I'm not related to him, Don. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> well, I heard about the story today uh, uh, on the ride down here to Cincinnati. So I didn't really know that much about it until I heard the story. But I, I was kind of astonished to say the least. Yeah, that. Uh, and, and I mean, this stuff has become problematic nearly everywhere. But and I, you know how much Don I love Bloomington, and I know you do too. A seminary square has become so problematic there off of Second Street. Um, and, and that's um, at some point, just like everywhere else, you're going to have to try to really do something about that. I'm not trying to get all political or, you know, do something that's non-sports related. But I, I have so much love for, you know, Bloomington and the surrounding communities and that. And I love Seminary Square. And it's kind of just turned into uh, something we're kind of kind of got to stay away from. And probably something needs to be done, like other aspects of everywhere we're talking about here. So, yeah, you're right, John. There's no question. It's a it's a different world we live in today, and unfortunately, it's not necessarily all that a good one. If you know what I mean. It's not. I tell you what was good though was that come from behind win. I don't care if it was Western Kentucky, if it was Kentucky or Eastern Kentucky or wherever. Getting that win was the priority, and they did. And now we, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. Your thoughts about IU going into this Cincinnati game where a lot of people say, hey, uh, unbeaten IU, um, you know, they're, they're pretenders right now. This is a way to really stake your claim if you can put together something nice tomorrow. Well, I think there's no question that Cincinnati, uh, beating a Cincinnati team like they are, even though they're not uh, the team that they were a year ago, if you beat this Cincinnati team tomorrow at Cincinnati, uh, I think you definitely showed that you're a capable football team the rest of the year. But uh, right now, this team has not played up to its level of capability at this juncture, I don't believe. I'm talking about you now. And uh, there's no question that three games to this point have not giving you a lot of belief that this team is going to be terrific the rest of the season. And whether they would be or not, they've got to play better than they have in the first three ballgames. And I I say that not to slight Indiana in the least. They just haven't played great football in three ballgames, and they have found ways to win all three games. So that's really all that matters. The W is what counts these days. But you could still sit there and say, man, they if, if anything, if they play their best football game against Cincinnati and win that one, then you're saying something because Cincinnati's a really good football team and a program that has been phenomenal under Luke Fickle. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU and Cincinnati coming up tomorrow. You know, I was asked this in, in, in terms of the Colts or whomever is playing. Has there been a constant? Has there been a constant positive for this team through the first three weeks and three wins of the season? Has there been a constant that you have seen that they can play off of and help improve their team going into tomorrow, for example, against Cincinnati? Well, with the exception of one half of football, I think Connor Baselak has been pretty consistent. I think he's really done a nice job at the quarterback position in his first year at Indiana. Uh, I, I think this guy is a really a winner. I think he's a gamer type guy. Uh, he's very calm and cool. He, he takes his time out there. He knows what he's doing. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing. He's got experience after starting a couple of years at Missouri prior to coming to Indiana. Uh, he, he is, he, with the exception of the first half in the Idaho game, which you could argue uh, had a lot to do with the weather conditions, but he was he was not good in the first half, and then he went crazy in the second half and was ten of twelve from the from the quarterbacking position and and led Indiana to twenty nine consecutive points before uh, Idaho got on the board again. But I, I honestly believe that he has been as consistent as anybody, and I think the receiving core has been pretty solid as well. 
Uh, there have been a few drops, but I, I just think that the upgrade that we saw at quarterback and the receiving uh, from last year has been probably the most important part of this team's ability to win these three ball games up to this point. Yeah, and I, we know. See, that's why I ask you that. We know all the issues, and because these issues have been consistent and really consistent over the years, I was just kind of curious what is what is coming through now. The other thing we know this, Don, is we know about Cincinnati a year ago. I mean, what they were a year ago, they are still good, but, man, they lost a crap ton from that great team a year ago. You know, John, I looked at that uh, over the last week now and putting together all my material for the broadcast tomorrow. The interesting thing to me is, despite the fact that they lost 12 starters from last year's team um, and nine of those guys went to the NFL, but you know what? 85% of their football team are guys that played either start as a starter or a backup last year or the year before. They have three, four, five, and six-year guys on this football team. They, Despite the fact that they lost uh, a lot of these star players, they've got guys who have played a ton. And they showed it in that first game against Arkansas, especially on the defensive side battling a number 19-ranked Arkansas at the time, who's now number 12, I believe, at this point. Um, that's a really good football team, and they lost to them by a single touchdown and actually had a chance to win the game, and a lot of people thought that they might win it. So when you look at Cincinnati, they even though they lost a lot, they still have a lot coming back, and they have proved it in these first three games. They Obviously, the one game, the loss to Arkansas at Arkansas, was uh, not a slouch loss by any stretch of the imagination. And then they just destroyed Kennesaw State at 69 on the board in that one. And then third ball game, they beat a, a rival team in Miami of Ohio, uh, which is a good program, as, uh, as everybody knows. Uh, they beat them solidly. So, honestly, I think Cincinnati is a team to be reckoned with this year. Certainly in their conference, they certainly will be. But, but I do think this is going to be a challenge for Indiana. And if Indiana can pull this game out, win on the road for the first time this year in their first opportunity, I think it's a huge, huge victory for this Indiana football program. I believe, Don, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Is that game sold out tomorrow? And I'm assuming with that sellout, are there going to be a lot of IU fans making the trip? There, there it is a sellout, and I could not tell you if there are going to be a ton of IU fans here or not. I haven't talked to any of the ticket people. We drove down separately today yeah. rather than take the buses, so I didn't get a chance to see the, the ticket folks uh, before today's conversation. But uh, my gut feeling is that most of these tickets are taken up by Cincinnati fans because they're viewing this as a big-time game as well. They look at the, uh, playing a Big Ten opponent as something special. And there's the other aspect of Cincinnati but right now. They haven't lost a game here in 28 straight times playing against some opponent. They have won 28 straight home games. This is a team that is on the roll right now, and Luke Fickle has done a remarkable job of building this program into something special, as you could tell by last year's getting to the college playoff Final Four. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, with us. It was interesting last week. Your call was fantastic, but Charles Campbell with the game winner and what he had gone through that week prior, I think it's cool when a kid is cool with being coached up in the fashion in which Tom Allen explained to you that he coached him up. And clearly there was a lot of yelling going on, a lot of old-school effect in what he expected out of him. But, Don, what's special about that is the kid responded. He didn't go hide. He didn't piss and moan. He didn't cry. He didn't whine. He went out there and he responded with that game winner. That's exactly what you want to see. Absolutely. Uh, he hit three. He hit three field goals in that ball game prior to that one. But of course, the team at that point, when they got into the overtime period, went back backwards for three plays and uh, put him back uh, in position where he had to kick in a fifty-one yarder. And this guy, you know, last year struggled a little bit in the last half of the season. He missed a couple of field goals that normally he would make, and he just had a tough time of it. But this is the fourth, this is the fourth 50 or 50-plus 50 yardage field goal he has kicked in his career at Indiana. And he has come up with these before, and I believe he's got his confidence back now. He did miss one the week before um, against Idaho. You know, rather a short kick. It wasn't a big time kick of any kind like that. He just missed it. And I know that Tom Allen expects more from him in that regard, 
the good news is that he didn't go like we've seen other kickers go in the past where they start, they miss a couple, and the next thing you know, they can't make anything no matter what the distance is. So I give Charles a lot of credit. He came back in that ball game last week. He knocks in yeah. four field goals, the last of which wins the ball game for IU in a pressure-packed situation, which if he had any confidence issues, I think he got it all back on that kick. Yeah, you know, here's the other thing, and maybe, at least to me, I've seen this, and I know if you agree with me, I know you have too. It seems like defensively, this team and others of the past, they will easily, anything misdirection really fouls everything up defensively. Have you noticed that in particular this year so far? Yeah, I I mean, yes, you're right. I mean, uh, Let's face it. This team has its yeah. flaws. <laughs> yeah. Like one, like not, one fake. I hate to say this. Like one fake, Don. If there's like one pump fake or one misdirection play, it seems like the entire defense goes to one side, and that that's really not good. Yeah, it's not. And and Tom has been a little concerned about the defense at this point in the season. They have not been able to turn the ball over nearly as much, even though they got a few in the first ball game. They've not turned the ball over or turned the other team over as much as they did uh, last two years ago. And and they struggled with that last year as well. I think a big part of it, John, and I, I hate to say this because it just to me, I think you have to tackle in practice. I just do. That's, that's old school. I know. And there are a lot of teams that don't hit anymore in practice uh, or, or take guys down to the ground in practice sessions. I still think you need to do that, especially with a program like IU. We are not getting the greatest athletes uh, like Ohio State gets all the time and the Michigans and Penn States. You're not getting that kind of an athlete. So you've got to do something different to get these guys ready to play. And I know that Tom believes that he's got to keep his team as healthy as he possibly can because the depth uh, at IU is not what it is at most other schools or at least powerhouse schools. But at the same time, I still think you've got to tackle. And I know that they don't do a lot of it in practice. They just don't. Tom admitted it uh, on our talk show on Wednesday night that they're more concerned right now keeping guys healthy. But at the same time, I think you've got to do more of that just to get you guys ready to play. And I think sometimes that's a big part of the struggles that they have, especially the missed tackles that they've had so far in the first three games. Yeah. The other thing, and and I think it speaks to what you're saying right now, is – when they start tackling, it, it like takes them a while to get used to it. You know what I mean? It takes them a while to really get a feel defensively with that in mind to, to get going. I, I would agree with you on that, too. I, I don't know, you know, other than just doing it, right? Other than just saying, what yep. the hell, we're just going to do it. I don't know how else you combat it. No, I don't either. I, I know that there are drills that they do, and they try different things uh, in these drills that they do to, to – to, to simulate tackling, but I just don't think it's the same. And the physicality that you have to play with, and that's one of the things that Tom brought to this program when he became the defensive coordinator under Kevin Wilson, they became a much more physical football team. And certainly a couple of years ago, they were that. They were very aggressive with their ability to tackle and, of course, blitzing and all the things that they did. You, you saw it there. But I haven't seen it. I didn't see it last year. I didn't see the physicality last year, with the exception of Michael McFadden, who I thought was terrific. Um, but I, I just haven't seen it on a consistent basis, that physicality that you need to be able to take people down. And honestly, I think missed tackles have, have been a big factor why this defense has not performed quite to the ability that we think they're capable of. Yeah, and I don't know. Like Cam Jones, for example, I trust not to be in that category, but I would agree with you. I mean, it just, it's, it's tough when you lead by example, when these guys can't follow it up and when you can't legitimately, you know, work on that as an issue. I just, maybe it was just me because, you know, Western Kentucky ran a lot of misdirection plays. I mean, their their quarterback was really good uh, with with the football in his hand. And it just kind of seemed like the whole field would lean defensively one way or the other on, you know, one fake or another too. And that just, it seemed like a significant issue to me on Saturday. Well, it may have been. I, you know, I, I didn't notice it that much. I, when I'm doing play-by-play, it's hard for me to, do, sure. to, to figure, figure out because I'm watching the ball, making sure that everybody knows where the ball's out of the field and if there's a play being made. Uh, so I can't watch that like you can on television. But at the same time, I, I can't argue with you. I, I don't think that the defense has played 
quite up to their capability at this point. I think I still think this is a really good defense, and I think they have some really good personnel on this defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And I just don't think we've seen them play their best. And I think if they do that tomorrow, they'll give themselves a chance because, let's face it, the defense has held them in a couple of these ball games when they've actually had to have somebody that's uh, been able to keep the keep them from uh, keep the offense um with an opportunity or give the offense an opportunity because I don't think we've seen enough of that at this point. No, I, I would agree with you too. I, I do. And, you know, I'm glad they're three and oh, but tomorrow is just such a gauge for them. And it, you know, again, Don, with this IU football program, it doesn't matter who's been the coach or what we always kind of reach this point of the season. Don't we right here where this is the yeah. gauge. Yep, there, there's no question. I mean, this is going to be a test. There's no doubt about that. Cincinnati has all the tools to be really – they'll probably win their conference again this year. They are that good. And uh, I, I think that this is going to challenge Indiana dramatically. Um, at the same time, I still think Indiana is capable of winning this ball game. I But if you go back to last year and how good that team was that they played in Bloomington, uh, that Cincinnati team I'm talking about, they they had them on the ropes in the first half. They were up fourteen to nothing on that ball club, and looked like they were going to go in at halftime with a fourteen nothing lead, only to have Micah McFadden get kicked out of the ball game with a bad targeting call. That uh, yeah. I have still to this day, I I can't believe that they called targeting on him for what what happened in that play. But he went out of the ball game with I think maybe a minute and a half or two minutes left. They scored ten points. They scored ten points because the heart of your football team's defense left the ball game. That can't happen again. Uh, and, I, and I do believe that Indiana is capable of playing the Cincinnati Ball Club, but they're going to have to prove it on the field. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU and Cincinnati. That's a 3.30 kick. So 2.30, uh, you can join their hour-long pregame coverage on 93 WIBC. Now, is uh, Rhett going to be uh, jetting out quickly? After tomorrow's game, as he did last week, <laughs> I don't think you'll have quite the problem that he had last week. In fact, he he flew out. He flew out last week, and uh, he literally had to come to Cincinnati to get a non. No, that was the week before. I'm sorry, it was a week before. Right. So, but last week, yeah, he had a plane to catch, and and obviously he caught it, so he was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I heard that. I heard that part of the conversation too. I wondered if he was going to fly into Cincinnati and fly out of Cincinnati. Seems like it'd be more yeah, convenient. He's doing that this week, that's for sure. All right, buddy. We'll be listening coming up tomorrow, Don. I appreciate it every week. Have a, a great night and uh, have some fun calling that game tomorrow. All right, John. Thanks for having me. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, week six of the high school football season, as he is every single Friday at this time, brought to you by our 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers Run, CarX locations, carx.com for that location nearest you. Bob Lovell joins us now. Hello, Bob. How are you? Hey, John. I'm great. How are you? Are you getting fired up for a Friday night of football once again? It oh, never absolutely. gets old, does it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does not get old, even after 29 years. It's still fun uh, because it matters greatly to a great number of people. And so just happy to be a part of it. And thank goodness we have decent weather again on a, on a beautiful Friday night. So uh, everything is all set uh, for another great Friday of football around the state. Any way that this thing is shaken out through the first five weeks to this point that either surprises you, impresses you, or maybe, I guess, to a different degree of standpoint, disappoints you in the start of the season? I wouldn't say disappointed at all. I would think uh, the, the great thing about this year, and we've talked about it, uh, I think, uh, more than once, is that there's great balance in, uh, in the classes. Um, I think you're going to find out, and I've talked about Lutheran being a, a really strong favorite in, in 1A. They've got a tremendous battle tonight with Cecina. Uh, it's basically one versus two, which I think is kind of cool, so we'll have an idea what's going on there. I love how balanced 6A is. 6A is, uh, well, you know, and 5A, 4A too. They're they're very very competitive with one another. You know, Westfield and Brownsburg tonight is a great matchup. Center Grove and Lawrence Central, uh, Ben Davis and Lawrence North. Uh, some really, hey John is really coming on to right now where I think it's a toss up. You got a lot.
lot of really, really good teams. Whiteland's number one, and they played. Had a great run to this point. Mishawaka and Warsaw might be one of the best games in the state. Those are uh, teams that are ranked in the top five. Um, you just keep looking around at at, at 5A. Uh, tonight you'll find awful, an awful lot about what the southern part of the state will look like with Castle taking on rights. Um, so New Pal is back to being New Pal the way they were when they steamrolled everybody for that period of time. They're number one in 4A, but they got a really good test with number 10 Greenfield Central tonight. Ron Colley, Brebuff Jesuit uh, is a huge matchup. Mooresville and Franklin, a great matchup. Uh, so, you know, you look at 3A, West Lafayette's really good. Uh, Garen Catholic is causing some problems for people. Gibson Southern was in the championship a year ago, but they've got a tough one with Heritage Hills tonight. So, um, down in your part of the country, your old home, uh, Linton Stockton, is number one in, in 2A. Big matchup with yeah. North Davies. Um, Cecina, Lutheran, as I mentioned about. Uh, really, really good game. So it's just one of those really tremendous nights where uh, the competition seems better and better as we progress into uh, the upcoming tournament. Hey, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, later on tonight at 9.30 across all the Network Indiana-affiliated fine stations in this state. He's with us thanks to Joe Childers and the 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, carx.com. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, we haven't talked too much recently and certainly in recent history about Hamilton Southeastern, at least it's been a while. 5-0, and number four right now, I believe, in 6A. Uh, your impression on them, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Hamilton Southeastern, do they go north as opposed to stay south or staying in the area once the postseason, the playoffs are officially underway, Bob? I believe they head north. Uh, you okay. find out, I think, a whole lot about HSE. They're good, without question. They got a great battle tonight with Zionsville. Zionsville's 14th. Scott Turnquist's kids played for a championship a year ago. They're good. HSE with a close one. Uh, over Fishers for the Mud Sox. So, uh, yeah, they, they are legit. I think one of the big things about them is they've just gotten steadily better uh, under the direction of Mike Kelly, and they've gotten better and better and playing great football right now. But tonight, without question, is a, a big matchup for them. Well, I was going to ask you this, too, because going north, is that even in a year where there's a great deal, I think we talked about this prior, a great deal of parity in the state of Indiana, especially in 6A, is that still as beneficial as we have seen it be in past years? Uh, I, I think it ends up being that way. Uh, but, again, I think there's great balance. Um, this may be one of those years where it really doesn't matter whether you're going north or south if you're on that fringe because they're – yeah, look, I mean, you, you think about uh, Brownsburg, you think about Center Grove, you think, you know, down south, um, you know, you know, w w Carmel got moved around, and so Carmel's starting to play well. And so uh, I, I think, I just think that one of the biggest things right now is the balance. We keep coming back to it. Uh, there's some really, really good football teams, a lot of good football teams, not just in 6A, but all the way through. To Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talks with us. Are they stirring the echoes in Whiteland, or are these echoes, are, are the echoes at this level the first time they've had echoes like this, is what I'm trying to ask. Well, they, uh, I don't recall them being number one uh, in recent memory. Um, and so they, they, listen, they're a really, really good football team. I mean, they're balanced offensively and defensively. Um, you know, Darren Fisher has done a fantastic job. They get a, a tough one, as I mentioned, with Martinsville. Uh, Brian Duggar's guys have gotten better and better. Uh, and they just they don't beat themselves. They're really physical. Uh, they can run it. They throw it. Um, they're legit. And, and uh, listen, when you look at 4A, uh, it, it is, excuse me, look at 5A, you've got, as I mentioned, Mishawaka and Warsaw uh, uh, up north. Those are two teams that are really, really good. But uh, you have to be extremely happy if you're Johnson County with Whiteland and the success that they've had. And, again, they've done it the old-fashioned way. They've gone out there and played great fundamental football and have dominated the line of scrimmage. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, Bob, in 4A, you get Ron Colley at 5-0. and You get Brebuff at 3-1. and I was, 
I was there in the parking lot a year ago when those two matched up down on the south side of Indy, and it was uh, certainly a lot of Ron Colley. Now, granted, Ron Colley's still very good, but a lot of change uh, given the fact that they had, you know, a different quarterback, a very highly touted quarterback uh, a year ago there. But uh, what has changed, I guess, for the better for Burbuff as far as this matchup tonight is concerned? Well, I think that they had a number of guys back from last year's team that, that had a really solid run. They're disappointed. They felt like they, they could play uh, and, and, and do some more things than what they did a year ago. Played for a championship. Still got guys back. Uh, have tradition. Has some great skilled players. Um, they're, they're a solid matchup. But this Ron Colley team is playing so much better football right now. They're really good. The conversion to a new coach with Eric Quintana. They've done great. He's done a fantastic job. And so um, this, this is one of the, the top games around, John, without question. Um, I, I don't, I'm kind of curious. I guess I should ask somebody at Ron Colley. Why, why don't Ron Colley and Mooresville play during the regular season? No, I have no idea. Uh, other than it, it's, listen, putting together a, a football schedule, a high school yeah. or college is hard. Um, it's, uh, you know, when the, with conference uh, – affiliations changing people it's hard right now you know, with some relationships that you've had some contractual obligations that you've had in the past my guess is um you know if you look at both the both schools uh and look at conference obligations and what you have you don't have a great number of open dates that you have to be able to you know, that you're able to fill and so it's it's hard to do without knowing the history that's my best guess yeah, I was, I was kind of curious because if there was one regular season matchup uh, in 4A that I would love to see, and I think a lot of yeah. people would agree, it would be that yeah, one. I think, really Ron Colley, I think Ron Colley has Louisville Mail and then maybe Cincinnati Elder, and then they close out with East Central. And obviously they'll probably end up maybe seeing East Central uh, down the road in the postseason again. But, uh, yeah, if there was a, a matchup that we don't get in the regular season that I wish we did, I think I would start right there. Well, that's a great point, but as you point out, they'll see East Central because they're pretty good. Uh, East Central, yeah. you know, being ranked, uh, you know, they're number five right now, but they've got a great matchup tonight with South Dearborn. South Dearborn um, having one of their best seasons in a while, uh, undefeated and ranked number 12 in uh, in 3A. So, um, John, there's a lot of matchups you'd like to see. Sometimes they don't happen because of all the intricacies and all the – things that go into trying to schedule and so um that's a that's a great point though so bob lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, tonight at 9.30, tomorrow night at 9.30, with us every Friday right here, brought to you by the 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers-run CarX locations. I promise there's one near you, carx.com. 